CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now on Options uh, Action, a big Friday rally helps the major indices salvage most of what was looking like a pretty bad week after a pretty solid one last week. Meanwhile, the dollar starting on the opposite trajectory this week. We'll show you how to take advantage if that dip deepens in. Heading into the heart of earnings season, find out uh, why it's time to make a play on health care. Maybe it always is. Uh, health care heavyweight on the long side. Don't say that about much. I'm Joe Kernan, in for Melissa Lee, live from the NASDAQ market site. This is Options Action on the desk tonight. Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and Tony Zhang. Let's get right to it. Uh, the dollar seeing a steady climb higher over the last few months, but the technicals may be pointing to some currency concern. The chart master, uh, Carter Worth, has the charts. Hey, Carter. So let's get right to it. The, look, you gotta, I think you got everybody on one side, and often when that's the case, it's right to take the road less traveled. Let's look at a couple comparative charts. Two lines, two colors. It's very straightforward. U.S. dollar, euro. And they are largely the inverse of one another. But it's about this spread, how wide it is. So this is a, a two-year chart. Let's go and look at a little bit longer duration. This is a five-year. It's the same circumstance. It's just everyone's thinking Dollar can't do anything but go up. Euro can't do anything but go down. Let's look at an even longer term chart. So I think you do just the opposite, right? You take the road less traveled and make the bet that we're going to get some convergence, that the dollar is actually going to come down and fail, and that euro is going to rally. So another way to look at the circumstance. This is the actual US dollar index. No lines or no drawings. Let's put some lines and drawings in. There's a well-defined channel, and we've blown out through the top of the channel. And you can see very clearly that we basically have tracked so well within the channel until we broke out. And so often you get checkbacks like this, like that, and you're due for the next one, a sell-off in the dollar. And so the thinking is, um, whatever ETF you want to use, but UUP is as good as any. We can never talk about fundamentals. I can match it up with why that might happen with oil where it is, uh, Carter, right now. And maybe, you know, it, you saw the, the Fed funds at one point before that, uh, uh, the big jobs report, you saw that come down about 75 basis points, right? Maybe they don't go as far as they need to, and that wouldn't be good for the dollar. That's right. I mean, if you think about lower prices in the stock market, is deflationary. Oil has come off. Nickel, right. wheat. Right. Why, why should it be... Uh, so we ought to rush over there right now, but we can't go through Heathrow. That's the only problem. All right, thanks, Carter. Mike, uh, what's a trade? A trip to Europe uh, or, or make it fast? Yeah, you, you should probably be quick, I think, if you're going to make that trip to Europe and try to take advantage of what they're referring to right now as dollar strength. Of course, the dollar isn't really strong when we think about it. You take a look at inflation data, and we can see that, in fact, the dollar is weak. It's just the prettiest old nag at the glue factory. Uh, and what's going on right now, of course, is that you know, we have other central banks that also have to contend with inflation issues and potential recessionary issues of their own. The Bank of Japan is not going to do anything, but the ECB is signaling that they might. So we've seen consumer inflation expectations here decline somewhat. 
But now we're looking at ECB rate hikes, probably 25 basis points in the short term, but maybe in September as much as 100, a full 1%. And meanwhile, our own expectations of 100 basis point increase at the next meeting have actually come off somewhat. And now people are more likely forecasting a 75 basis point uh, increase. And the important thing to remember about rates in general, and I think you were just alluding to this, we're still well below neutral. So if we start seeing bigger increases with the ECB, smaller ones here, on a relative basis, and that's how currencies are priced, that is bearish for the dollar. I was looking at September, specifically at the 29.27 put spread in UUP. When I was looking at that earlier today, that would cost about 59 cents. Buying those 29 puts for about 72 cents, selling the 27s for 13. Now, I just quickly point out here, those 29 puts relative to the close, about 14 cents in the money. So the 13 cents in premium doesn't seem like much, but right now UUP's implied volatility of about 14% is probably almost double what it typically is. Currencies don't typically move a whole lot. They're moving more now, so we're seeing increased options premiums, and that's one of the reasons we wanna look at using a spread here. And of course, that 13 cents is against uh, you know, just under 60 cents in extrinsic premium for the 29 strike puts. You have to realize that they are somewhat in the money already. Got it. All right. Thanks, Mike. Tony, your take? Yeah, so I completely agree with this tactical short. I actually took effectively the exact same trade about two weeks ago. So I think Carter's got much better timing on this particular trade than I did. And if you look at the US dollar, it consists of the Euro and Japanese yen, which make about 70% of the weight of the US dollar index. And what you have seen in the index itself is that we've made higher highs in price, but momentum has not confirmed those new highs. And also implied volatilities hasn't climbed that much also in addition to that. And those are some of the signs that I see of capitulation of Euro and Japanese yen to the downside that could potentially lead this pullback here that we see here in the potential, in the dollar. Now, if we look at the trade itself, I, I understand why Mike is using a spread because of the high implied volatility of those September options. However, from my perspective, I think this is a tactical short. It may not last particularly very long, so I'm inclined to simply just buy the September $29 puts, or maybe even a slightly out of the money put option, wait for a, a quick pullback, because I do think long term the dollar is heading higher. Carter, um, we can't go out too far, I guess. Five years, from, no, five years from now, is there such a thing as, as a, a common currency in Europe? Well, if you think about it, the origins of common currency was to prevent war, right? It was. <laughs> How'd that work? Well, so they, that's the whole, they always thought we get our, we didn't have a Deutsche Germany Bank. was going to, was who we were worried about, though. Well, that's right, but, and I don't think you'll get a war in Europe, but I mean, you can get wars when you have fighting currency, so to speak. Can there be a common currency beyond what we've got? Probably not. All right, that's that's way too far out and way too too much fundamental stuff that I you know I got three hours usually I don't have any time switching gears we got a big uh, week of earnings on deck ton of names set to report Tony's taking a look uh, at one healthcare name he says could be regaining itself which one Tony. Yeah, I want to take a look at Johnson & Johnson, particularly in this type of market environment. I'm looking for stocks that show strength for opportunities, and Johnson & Johnson certainly meets those criteria. Now, if we look at a chart here of Johnson & Johnson, we've recently had a breakout here above $150 from the pandemic. And ever since, the stock has just been in this slow trajectory up to the, uh, to the, up, uh, to the, up to the right in this uptrend. However, I think the more important chart to look at here is the relative performance of Johnson & Johnson to the healthcare sector. And this does not particularly look good because since 2008, November 2008, this is a stock that has consistently underperformed the sector for the past 14 years. 
years. But what we have seen over the past few weeks is this outperformance, a breakout above that trend line. And this is the first thing that I typically like to look for going into an earnings announcement. And next week, the options market is currently implying a slightly larger than normal move, about 2.8% relative to the 2.2% we've seen over the last eight quarters. So the trade structure that I wanna use takes into account this elevated implied volatility that we do see here in Johnson & Johnson and using a similar trade structure as Mike is using on UUP, which is a slightly in the money debit spread. And I'm going out to September as well, and I'm buying the 175 190 call spread, paying about $5.88 for this debit spread. Now this is only about 3.8% of the stock's price, and this only requires the stock to rally about 3% before this strategy is profitable by the September expiration. Interesting, Mike, your take? Well, you know, we own Johnson & Johnson in our equity long only fund, so I'm definitely on board with the bullish take. I also like the structure he's using. You know, the implied volatility in a lot of things has been elevated a little bit, not as much in Johnson & Johnson, but this also isn't a stock that moves a whole heck of a lot. And it does make sense, I think, to sell that higher strike call to help offset some of the decay. Uh, and of course, you're going to see slightly above average premiums going into an event like earnings, even though this one doesn't tend to move all that right. sharply. I mean, in general, I like the group, and I think you get, again, offense-defense here. What's remarkable, though, is it's not the Johnny John of its past, right? It doesn't have the growth rates, and it's not the exciting stock that it was. But still, it's a, it's a stalwart, and I would be long. All right. Still to come up with housing, a stuck between supply shortages and rising rates. Coco, he wanted to be, his nickname would be T-Bone, that was taken, though. But he's going to show you a safer way to play DR Horton heading into earnings next week. Uh, and for everything options action, check out our website and our newsletter. We have both of them? Wow, okay. Uh, more options action after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Next week, a huge one for the housing trade. Investors will be hoping for a turnaround when Dr. Horton uh, reports earnings on Thursday. The home builder down more than 32% this year. But the chart master uh, thinks that this beaten down name is building a case for some gains. Carter, take it away again. Again, here we go. So let's look at some charts. Nothing drawn. Let's put some lines in. This is the ETF for home builders, ITB. And what do we know? We have had very distinct drawdowns, and they're serious, down 39%. Quickly, COVID plunging 55, and this one down. 42. Big drawdowns. But at this point, we're already starting to bounce. The peak to trough, almost twice the S&P. And so let's look at the here and now a couple different ways. First, relative. Put the line in. What's been happening? Same thing as in so many other interesting areas. It is going down absolute, but its relative performance is going straight up. That's what alpha is defined as. And then let's look at one or two others. This is the ETF. I mean, talk about a 45-degree angle down, and it has failed at trend, failed at trend, and now it is ever so slightly moving above. And it has the elements of a head and shoulders bottom. Well, guess what looks identical to that? 
the stock that's going to report earnings next week. Is that the minor head and shoulders bottom? It sure is. Do we put the green arrow in? I think we do. And so final chart, just to make a point, this is DHI compared to the ETF. Their correlation is 96%. One will do what the other will do and vice versa. We like the group long. All right. How to play it, though, Mike. What's the trade? Yeah, so, uh, you know, one of the things we're seeing, of course, rates have stabilized a little bit here. And I think it's important to recognize the housing shortage hasn't gone away, even though we have seen home prices rise fairly sharply and we have seen rates rise fairly sharply. Now, with respect to DR Horton in particular, I think one of their strengths is that they operate in an affordable segment, lower uh, priced homes compared to, say, something like Toll Brothers. And the other thing is that this is a company that has really been focusing on lowering their balance sheet risk. How do they do that? A couple different ways. One is that they have options on a lot of their uh, potential land rather than going out and purchasing and putting that on the balance sheet. And they focus a lot also on ROI. Now, that normally stands for return on investment, but in their case, they were referring to the return on inventory, and they're really managing that quite effectively. So a trade we often like to use going into earnings are calendar spreads and call spread risk reversals. We're going to use a little bit of a spin on both of those. I was actually looking at a diagonal call spread risk reversal specifically selling the August 65 puts and the 80 strike calls in August, collecting about $3 for both of those together and using those proceeds to help finance the purchase of a, at the money, slightly in the money actually, September 72 and a half call for just under $6. Now the idea here is to try to capture the accelerated decay that you're gonna see in the 65 and uh, put an 80 strike call that expire in August. And of course, being willing to purchase the stock down at that 65 strike put that we're going to sell. And the idea here is that, of course, after earnings and after August uh, expiration, we will then still hold those September calls and we could potentially sell upside calls against it or uh, adjust the trade further at that point as we see fit. So you've got to want it at 65. If you don't, don't do it. That is correct. And of course, I think one of the things that uh, Carter is saying, and I am too, is that you'd have to be comfortable purchasing the stock even here. You're actually, you would effectively be buying the stock at a discount to its current price if you are compelled to, uh, you know, if if you are assigned on that 65. Tony, what's Mm -hmm. your take on Mike's trade? Yeah, so this is one of the industries that I find a little hard to justify taking long exposure with the macro headwinds that we have right now. I think if you look at the chart itself, I do think that's the fact that DH Horton hasn't gotten above that 77 level, which we're close to, is really the concern for me. The outperformance is is somewhat there, but I really would like to see the stock get above that 77 level for me to have interest here. But I think but I think if you look at the the macro headwinds right now, the fact that you know we have four months of rising housing inventory, we have rising costs for these names. I think this is really where, despite the fact that D.H. Horton is certainly the leader in terms of their space, both in EPS growth and margins, you know, the fact that it still trades at 4.3 times next year's earnings tells me that the macro headwinds is still a concern for most investors and the valuations right now, while compelling, is not enough of a reason to get long. Now, the trade structure that Mike is using, I do like because he's actually taking advantage of the elevated implied volatility by selling that August strangle that you're able to collect some premium that's going to offset the cost of that buying that September call. And that even if the stock just stays where it is, you'll be able to actually uh, see a gain here going into the earnings announcement and potentially if we do see that breakout above that 77 that september call option gives you that optionality or 
gives you the convexity to that upside. So for the trade structure, I quite like, even though I'm not particularly keen on this industry at the moment. Okay, Tony, thank you. Carter, final thought? You're feeling okay, right? Oh, just, oh, okay, you just, just don't. Oh, okay, cool. Final thought. No. I think Hope uh, people are quite uh, bearish on housing because of rates, but rates are cooling, and I think you'll be okay. We'll see, though. We'll see. What do you think? I think housing mm-hmm. is, is, is one of those things that it, it's... I, always, I hate to say it's different this time, but I don't know how to, I don't know about a, an economy that, uh, you know, has 3.6% unemployment and two straight GDP, negative GDP. That's never That's happened curious. before. Um, there's no supply of housing. If, would, I think still if you put up a, a, a house for sale, you lowball it because people are going to come in, you, you attract them, and then you're going to get a bidding war for the house. So I, I don't know. It, 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 seems, feels, it seems fairly secure and steady now, and people are always writing off housing. We sold off to the 05 high, meaning that's how much we've come down. If you look at the sub-industry group, that's a long time to be unsure. I'm just trying to figure out whether, um, you know, we're, we're going to, if we start with a stronger than expected economy than we've had in the past and the Fed does continue to raise rates, is it good or bad that it was strong, that unemployment is so low? Is that good or bad? Do they have to do more work or do we say, take solace and we don't need to cause a hard landing? It, we may it's, have. It's coming. You don't know what you're rooting for. It's like when you sell right. a call against a stock. Do you want it to go up or don't you? I was thinking about that. <laughs> if someone buys D.R. Horton and you got the 80, short the 80 call, yeah. I don't well, know, it gets sure. squeezed. All right. Up next, uh, we're taking a look back at one of Tony's trades that turned out to be a match uh, made in, hap- in heaven. More options action after this. it all. Uh, we do have a news alert uh, on Twitter. Elon Musk filing a suit to slow down the company's request for a quick trial uh, over his attempt to terminate uh, that acquisition. I don't see how it's going to be quick. Some people think it could go months or even longer. Now it's time uh, to look back on a past trade. Last month, uh, Tony laid out a way to play Match Group. Now, We are in a clear bearish trend. And right now we've seen a bit of a rally here near the upper bound of that channel. I think timing perspective, great risk to reward ratio for a short exposure. I'm going out to the July 2nd, 22nd weekly expiration, and I'm selling the 77 by 88 call vertical, collecting in this particular case about $3.84. This will allow me to profit whether the, the directional view of match moving lower is correct or if the stock just simply stays where it is. And with Match uh, hitting an all-time low, back to its IPO today, that trade is firmly in the green. What to do now, uh, Tony? Yeah, so we sold this for $3.84. It's currently trading at just one penny. So if you had already taken profits on this, great. But if you have not closed this, I think you should just let this expire worthless. You might not even be able to get filled on a closing order for this. Let it expire. You'll be able to collect the full max profit. Oh, good trade. Uh it's not bad. It's, I'm not a smart man, Tony. But is that like buying it for a penny and selling it for 384? It's pretty good. Uh, sort of. It's shorting it at 384 and buying I, it back I got for it. a penny. I got it. I got it. I got it. But you're supposed to do that. But you just buy low, sell high. Sell, sell high, buy low. That's the, that's the plan. You can do it either way. Up next, <laughs> uh, up, up next, your tweets and the final call. I got this. I got this covered. This option stuff. Be right back. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some of your tweets. The first one, Fat Joe, why are you hosting Fist? 
<laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. That was that was on my phone. Uh, that was on my Where? phone. Where? That was on my phone. Uh, no, the first one. <laughs> the first one is for Tony. How did you close uh, the Netflix trade, Tony? So when we sold this put spread, I said that if the stock is trading below 190, which is a short strike, I'm okay with taking delivery of the stock and owning the stock. And the stock closed just under 190 as of today, which is the expiration date. So this is one where I effectively now own the stock and I'm looking to build a position in it. If you don't already have a position, you can sell another put spread going into earnings next week to potentially try to acquire more stock. Next tweet says, Meta recently being added to the Russell 1000 value index seems like uh, the kind of thing that would happen near a bottom. Do the traders like Meta at all on the long side? And if so, do they like uh, buying a call spread to express that view? Mike. Yeah, I mean, this company is as cheap as it's ever been relative to earnings. Of course, you're trying to catch a falling knife, which is why I think using a call spread is your suggesting might be a good way to do it. The short dated premiums are particularly steep, so maybe even make it a diagonal. In our last tweet uh, asks, started looking at JP Morgan on the earnings dip yesterday as it hit a fresh uh, 52 week low uh, at a PE of just under eight. What do you think of an entry into JP Morgan now for leaps? Recession is a key factor here. Uh, but I think it has strength. What do you think, uh, Carter? Well, leaps by you time, of course. So the stock closed at 113. The January 2024, 125 leaps are going for about nine bucks. So break even is 134. So if you think JP Morgan will be 18% higher in the next 18 months, it's money good. Final call, Carter. I think you want to be long housing and you want to fade the strength in the U.S. dollar. No kidding. Tony. Seeking strength in healthcare, Long Johnson & Johnson with a call vertical. Coco. I think the dollar's overdone. I like UUP put spreads to make a bearish bet on it here. Okay, thanks guys. Happy Friday, have a great weekend. That does it uh, here on Options Action. That was an actual tweet, Carter. And I've been running, I've been dieting, I've been doing, I, I think the camera adds 10 pounds, minimum, right? You know, it keeps us all a little humble. It minimum. does, it yeah. keeps us humble, believe me. Uh, the, the, the Twitter sphere definitely keeps you humble. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30. Don't go anywhere. CNBC Special starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.